Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Security Student Podcast. Travis Lashak here. In this next episode, I'm going to do a quick overview of some big ideas which I think are pretty important from the last uh, about 10 or so episodes just to give a recap and give you some big ideas to think about. So it'll be a recap of those and maybe just my stream of consciousness about anything else that comes up over the next 20 minutes. And as a reminder, if you want to support the podcast, please share this latest episode on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter. Thanks. Cheers. All right, I'm going to start by going in reverse chronological order, starting with the latest episode with Dr. Michael Bayaki. So I'm going to go over two big ideas that I think are really important from that episode. First, he mentioned the role of initiative and the role of serendipity in his career. And this has been a theme with nearly every person that I've talked to, where people have started in a range of different places initially in their career. Some people were doing help desk, which is the lowest IT job possible, where you're solving uh, really basic rudimentary problems for average users, basically telling them to restart their computer or to restart Chrome or to close the 100 tabs that they have open in Chrome because a MacBook Air isn't supposed to support this kind of work. So it's low-level jobs like that or even um, working as like an EMT. Like I'm sure if some of you have done an EMT course or if your friends are EMTs, it's not the most glamorous job. And in many instances, the pay is incredibly low because so many people are volunteering to do that type of work for free. So the role of serendipity, where just saying yes to a number of the opportunities that you're offered throughout your career so that you can go outside of your comfort zone, continue to grow, and just learn as much as you can in those areas around those initial roles that we start in. So initiative and serendipity playing a really big role in how we grow from whatever initial ro- from whatever initial role that we start out in our security career, which is probably not a glamorous one. Next, he also mentioned he also mentioned the role of creative projects. He's, he even said something to the fact to the effect that people that work in security are not robots. Meaning, those of us working in security, we can't just do like rote, mundane tasks all day long, day to day. Rather, we should find outlets where we can engage in creative projects, whether those projects are writing a blog, maybe it's creating a course that's internal to the company, that's external to the company, really engaging in anything that makes us kind of think outside the box, refine our technical skills, um, and really just getting us to think differently and to get out of our comfort zone of whatever those day-to-day tasks are that we find ourselves in. Next, moving on to the episode before that with Dr. Michael Gerges. One of the really important points that he mentioned was that, and remember, that was the episode about emergency medicine. He mentioned that we shouldn't let not being an EMT or a medic or um, 
you know, any other medical designation, not letting that stop us from pursuing a medical education. So getting uh, BLS skills, CPR, stop the bleed training, AED training, because it's not so much about getting certifications as it is having the most basic skills to help people around us when they have the most common medical emergencies. Like I remember during that episode, Michael said something to the effect of the most common medical emergencies are the most common medical emergencies. For example, generally, we're not going to find ourselves treating some some crazy violent injury. It's going to be something that's more common. It's a trip and fall. It's a sprain. We're going to have to create a splint. We're going to have to use a triangle bandage. We're going to have to put direct pressure on a hemorrhage or wrap a wound. So it's going to be the most basic things that are incredibly common that we're going to encounter in the field. So don't let not having a certification prevent you from getting basic training that is going to come in handy during routine operations day to day. Second, Dr. Gerges also mentioned that the key to emergency medicine is practice, 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 because in so many situations that we'll find ourselves in, there's going to be uh, incredible stress, high emotion, and really if we haven't trained ourselves for those different emergencies, our fine motor skills are going to deteriorate and we're really going to drop to the level of our training that we've been going with all along. So so it's very important to keep our skills sharp, whether that's something whether that's practicing doing patient assessments, whether it's practicing specific uh, medical interventions, or even if that means us going on YouTube and reviewing how to use certain tools. So there's many different things available to us to keep those skills sharp. Then moving on to the previous episode with Dean Cornelison, who is a fraud investigator, currently supporting a software as a service company. One of the important things that I remember from his episode was that he said that we should stay open to as many opportunities that come our way. For example, in his career working in insurance, there were many times where opportunities came his way that were kind of outside the scope of what he normally did day to day, and he accepted many of those opportunities and said yes, and he got to work in a ton of different aspects of the insurance business so that he had a really broad understanding of how the business worked, and that also made him a better investigator. And it's also interesting to think about how working in organizations or industries such as his in insurance can give you the opportunity to work with so many different business units and to learn so many aspects of a single industry. And in that same episode, Dean made a comment about not seeking solely money and status, but rather seeking to be well-rounded. And this is something important to note because seeking that well-roundedness, one, it might be more rewarding, it might be more fun for you in the long run, it might keep you more engaged in your work, but also over time, that well-roundedness will bring you more money, it will bring you more status. It's more of a trade-off between what you have today and what you might have tomorrow. Then moving on to my episode before that with Carlos Francisco, one big idea from his interview was, he said, to make sure your LinkedIn is tidied up. So 
For example, over the course of his career, there were a number of times where recruiters had reached out to him directly over LinkedIn because they had just seen that, hey, this guy might fit the role that I'm trying to fill currently. So it's important to consider if you're someone who's actively out there looking for a role or you think you'll be looking for a role in the near future, it's a great idea to think about tidying up your LinkedIn. And for example, look at what other people are doing on LinkedIn. Like go look at Carlos's page, go look at uh, my page is probably not perfect, but it may offer some other some other insights. So borrow some ideas from others out there on LinkedIn who have nice, presentable LinkedIn's, whether that's the cover image on top, whether that's a professional photo or a well-written uh, description about your professional career or a description of the individual roles that you've held. Go look at people in your network, check out their LinkedIn's and see how you can tidy up yours so that yours will look better in the event that a recruiter is actively looking for a role that you're probably a great fit for. Also, Carlos had some really cool resources on his particular LinkedIn about writing resumes, cover letters, and preparing for interviews. So I would say definitely check out those as well if you're in the interviewing phase, if if you're in a interviewing phase yourself. Moving on to a previous episode with Anna Gorodetsky, an Intel manager. A couple of the big ideas that she mentioned that I liked was first, she said, you'll stand out professionally among your peers if you prefer, if you pursue diverse professional and educational projects rather than ones that are narrow. And I love this point because one One of the things we talked about was that being a good Intel analyst is all about developing soft skills, about having broad knowledge about different cultures. But also, this was also a theme when I talked to Jen Grant Holland, who's with the Air Force OSI. And one of the big things that she also said was that really when they're looking at new candidates, they could care less about people that have Uh, whatever is the standard educational background, which is uh, criminal justice, political science, um, and all things in between. Rather, they're interested in people that bring something unique. Maybe that's a computer science degree. Maybe it's something in a hard science. So I love the point that Anna makes when she says, pursue diverse education and experience because those are things that are really going to make you stand out. Like I could give one example in my own career. So I pursued a master's in applied psychology. Guess what? When I was going through the interview process for my current role and some of the ones before that, I know that's something that stood out to them because it wasn't just another criminal justice degree. They probably thought, wow, what's with this kid? He pursued something completely different. And then I was even in um, a session with some of the people that interviewed me later on, and they were like, and they're like, oh, it's really cool that Travis pursued a degree in psychology because that relates perfectly to what we're talking about today. So really pursuing diverse educational areas is something that can make you more useful to your team and you could make a more valuable contribution having gathered experience from people in completely different fields than what you may be doing today in your own job. A second really important point that Anna mentioned was that you should engage in a hobby. So I think this is this is multifaceted. So first, engaging in a hobby 
helps you prevent burnout. It gives you kind of like some guardrails to set up in your life. Like, hey, I can't work past 6 p.m. on Wednesdays and Fridays because I'm going to yoga or I'm going to jujitsu or that's when I'm at the CrossFit gym. So setting up like some general guardrails in your life to prevent you from going crazy and working uh 12-hour days or 15-hour days or whatever crazy schedule you're working consistently. So first, it lets you set up guardrails. And then two, to a degree, it also it also gives you a different way for looking at things. For example, there's one book, I forget the name, it's something about how uh, generalists can thrive in a changing world. And one of the interesting And one of the interesting conclusions that the author came to in his research, um, he was doing research about high performers in academic institutions when it comes to when it comes to publishing significant research in their fields. And one of the things that they found was that was that some of the academics that were publishing the most kind of like industry changing material, they all tended to engage in different hobbies out in different hobbies outside of their the narrow field that they worked in. In particular, they were they were engaging in hobbies where they were doing artistic pursuits, where they were painting, they were playing different musical instruments, they were engaging in uh, like chess tournaments. So they're engaging in all these artistic, mathematical, spatial types of hobbies, and they believe that engaging in these hobbies gave those academics a different way for thinking and looking at problems in such a way that they were able to make more significant academic contributions than many of their counterparts. So that's also a second way to think about how hobbies can better how hobbies can make you a better security practitioner and maybe make more valuable contributions to your team, to your industry. And then going all the way back to my very first episode with Ilya Umansky, one of the big ideas that I took away from my chat with him was he made a statement that went like this. He said, don't think that threat intelligence or insert security niche makes you a security practitioner. And it's funny, I sent out a newsletter to my email list and I got an immediate reply from someone who was, I think they specifically worked in executive protection. This is something they kind of like have dedicated their entire career to, to working in one narrow part of security. And I could tell they were like incredibly offended by this statement. But really, I think it kind of shows like how immature they are in not thinking more broadly about more broadly about what this statement actually means. And what it means is that to be a well-rounded security practitioner, to be someone that is incredibly useful to business executives and to everyone else that we're going to be protecting, it's ideal for us to develop broad security knowledge. That means gathering experience in psychology and design in understanding operational controls and governance understanding technological controls hardware how hardware and software um, interact with each other to to form a whole protective system around whatever assets we're concerned with with understanding physical controls with understanding incident management There's a whole range of elements that go into developing and understanding and creating useful security programs. 
and, and you generally can't gather all this type of knowledge by working in one specific subfield of security or really or just a small circle of security professionals. It's ideal to have interactions with people across security disciplines, across business disciplines, really across industries, understanding HR, understanding legal, getting better business acumen and understanding and understanding business operations and finances. So it's much deeper than any single security subfield. And the ideal, once again, is to develop broad, deep knowledge across these different elements that all contribute to security. And that concludes today's episode. Remember, show notes from today's chat can be found online at thesecuritystudent.com, which includes a transcript, links to resources mentioned, and a quick summary of big ideas we touched on today. Final note, if you're finding my podcast useful and you want to help me in a very meaningful way, please go to the Apple Podcasts app and write a quick review stating why you love the podcast.